about the camera. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's good to see everybody here today. It's great to share this time of worship and fellowship and joy together. And we welcome everyone uh, to our service of worship today. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially. You're, you're very important to us. We're glad that you are here, and, and, uh, and we welcome you and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out so we could have a record of, of your attendance with us. Just put your name and address and, and phone number, email address, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to, to us. Uh, I promise you we will not sell it to anybody. We'll just keep it for, for our, our use only. Few uh, few announcements uh, that I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, this has been a busy week uh, at Community Baptist Church, and we've uh, had a lot going on. We had a successful vacation Bible school this week that we uh, held along with First Christian and uh, uh, the Presbyterian Church and St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We held it at First Christian Church and. Uh, it was a great week, and a lot of fun was had by all who participated, and so we are grateful for that, uh, for our volunteers, and thank you, Kim and, and Teresa. I th think they're probably up, up there already, uh, but thanks, thanks to them for organizing that, and it's been a great, uh, a great time. Also, this week on uh, Friday, we had our upperclassmen, and I think we got a picture. Do we have a picture up there for we got three of them? Oh, we've got three pictures up there. Our upperclassmen, our adult, uh, uh, took an, uh, our adult group took a trip, a field trip to the home of Bill Monroe, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. We uh, learned a lot about Bill Monroe, and, and, who is the father of, um, of bluegrass, and uh, I, I gained a, more, a greater appreciation for bluegrass music because of this, and it was uh, inspiring. And a great trip. So thank you, Sue Berry, for uh, for arranging that. We really appreciate it. It was a great trip. I think we had. 
there we are standing on Bill's front porch. Uh, and it, they even had some bluegrass singers and players out there. Everywhere we went, we went to the, the house. They had some bluegrass sing, uh, uh, players there. They had a guy uh, playing at, the, at his graveyard, at his gravesite. And then we went to Uncle Penn. I don't know if you know who Uncle Penn is. He was his Bill's uncle who taught him how to play. We went to his cabin. They had one of uh, uh, Bill Monroe's band members playing there. So it was a great time. So thank you. Oh, yeah, and there was a lady from London who joined our tour group. Uh, and she, she's here in the United States for six months to write a book on bluegrass. And so we had, we had her along. And I want to tell you something. That... That Brit, she could play some fiddle. <laughs> she was good. That's right. She couldn't. She could. She talk, couldn't talk like a Kentuckian, but she could play like one. <laughs> uh, a few other things we have coming up. Uh, we are resuming our simple, sum, simple summer suppers. I never can say that. Our simple s- summer suppers on Wednesday. Uh, through the month of June. Uh, we did not have supper this past week, but uh, for the rest of June we will have uh, suppers. And thank you, Mary Dunham, for uh, providing that for us. I appreciate that. So that will be on Wednesday nights. And uh, let's see, next week is Father's Day, isn't it? That's a, uh, that's a, great, a great day. I love Father's <laughs> Day. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not going to be here next week. I'll be out of town, but... Uh, uh, but you'll be here, I hope, and we are going to be celebrating fathers by having a breakfast on, on Father's Day uh, next Sunday. Is that at 9 o'clock? Uh-huh. At, at 9 o'clock. So, so everybody come and be a part of that. Uh, it'll be a great time of fellowship. And then on June the 25th, we'll be having a potluck here at the church right after the worship service on that day. So bring a side dish and order, order dessert or both or whatever you want to do. Have you noticed that there's a theme here? We do a lot of eating around here, don't we? <laughs> but you know that's okay. I, you know, but since we do all that le- eating, I think it's. I, I think we need to burn off some of those calories. So if you're able, let's stand up and burn off some of those calories by greeting each other and sharing the love of God with one another. <laughs> Thank you. 
by Your constant presence with us. We gather in praise today because we are overwhelmed by Your extravagant blessings. We celebrate the joys that fill our senses. The sounds of the birds, the rush of the wind, the laugh of a child, the love of fellowship with one another. Thank You, God, for it all. When we pause for Sabbath rest, we drink in Your bounty with grateful hearts and You are always faithful to renew and to refresh our souls. Compassionate Lord, You hear the sigh of each one of us who reaches out to You today. It's no accident that we found ourselves here this morning and we lean upon Your your Spirit for comfort for our souls. Lord, we find that You are the one who communicates to us in countless ways. In a surprising word, in a casual conversation, a new thought that invades our minds or in the prompting that helps us to see as You see. Give us ears to listen for Your still, small voice. And grant us the courage to be willing to go wherever You lead us, O God, even to the edges of our comfort and beyond. Lord, for some of us, our needs have drawn us here, and so we offer you our concerns. For those teetering on the edge of the unknown, for those living with with an illness that hinders their lives, for the ones who worry about the path that a loved one has taken, for those who know isolation or alienation, Lord, we offer all of our burdens to you this moment, this morning in a moment of silence. Remind us, O God, that you invite us not only to the comfort of prayer, but also to the place of care where our lives can offer the gift of compassion. Give us this week the courage to speak a word of grace when it may not be easy to speak. To be a listening ear when we are tempted to give easy advice. Or to reach out with a secret act of service that may never be discovered. But we pray all of these things in the name of the one who showed us a life that was built and sustained by your Spirit. Amen.
Father, we come humbly before you this morning in praise and in worship. And we thank you so much for all that you do for us. And we thank you for all of the blessings that you pour on us every day. And we just ask that you take these tithes and offerings, Father, and that you do with them um, all things to your glory. And we just thank you and we praise you for this beautiful day. And we ask that you go with us this week. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 2, 14 and 36 through 41. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, 
Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. This is the word of the Lord. appreciative as I am for our musicians. They are just tremendous, aren't they? 
Thank you. Thank you. Did, did you hear the response to Peter's sermon um, in the scripture that was read just a few moments ago? 3,000 people responded to Peter's gospel message. What pastor would not like to have that kind of response to a sermon? <laughs> 3,000 people were added to the church after Peter finished his sermon. And even more importantly, 3,000 people had their lives profoundly changed. And we need to remember that for most of these people, it was a change that would make them a pariah to their communities and possibly even to their own families. Some of these people would go on and die for their faith. So you see, their response to the gospel was not some kind of a, of a surface emotional response. This was something that involved a complete commitment to the work of God. And we have to confess that such a commitment is hard to come by these days, isn't it? I am told that there is a tombstone in Scotland above the grave of Angus MacDonald on which are carved these immortal words. He was not a particularly religious man, but in all other respects he was an ideal churchman. <laughs> How do you do that? How can you be an ideal churchman without being particularly religious. I'm not exactly sure, but I kind of believe that there are more of those kinds of people around than we might imagine. A few years ago, my family and I took a tremendous trip to, to Italy where we visited the famous Leaning Tower of Pisa. It leans almost 20 feet out of perpendicular, and it is uh, an impressive sight to see. Uh, but, but somehow when the architect was planning this tower, he designed it to reach a height of 179 feet, but it only had a 10-foot foundation. No, no wonder it leans. Well, to me, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is a metaphor for the, per, for the person who is not particularly religious, but in all other respects an ideal church person. And the reason I say that is that that person has an inadequate foundation and their lives are out of kilter. So notice how these 3,000 people responded to Peter's sermon on that day of Pentecost. They came to Peter and the rest of the apostles and they asked, Brothers, what shall we do? We've heard your sermon. What shall we do? And I think we could say that this was a critical juncture in the lives of these people. It, will they be ideal church people but not particularly religious? Will they have a tiny foundation under a tall structure? Brothers, they ask, what shall we do? Then notice what Peter said to them. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch the sequence there? Repent. 
be baptized, receive the Spirit. These concrete steps constitute the, a proper response to the good news of Jesus Christ, and they are all important for a vital faith. So let's begin with repentance. Now, this is a word that will fall on many deaf ears because not many people want to hear about repentance these days, do they? It's not a very popular subject. I I appreciate what uh, former San Francisco Giants manager Dave Bristol once said. His his team was going through a a terrible losing streak. They, They just couldn't seem to get anything right. They couldn't pull things together enough to win a game. And so Bristol said to the team, there will be two buses leaving the hotel for the ballpark tomorrow. The 2 o'clock bus will be for those who need a little extra work, and the empty bus will leave at (laughs) 5. In other words, he was saying that everybody needed a little extra work. Well, guess what? We do too. That's true of all of us. There are a lot of people who feel that, that repentance is that's for them. That's for others. Not me. We're kind of like that six-year-old girl who came home from school and she, she said to her mother, the number one problem in the United States today is climate change. I read that in my weekly reader. Everybody knows that the number one problem is climate change. Everybody except our preacher. He thinks it's sin. (laughs) But that's probably just because he's a preacher. Well, could I just say that if there is a, a, a human component to the heating of the earth, then sin is a part of that. God has created us to be stewards of this earth, and we've not been very good stewards and so it is with, with nearly every problem on earth. Sin is involved. And the sad thing is that most of us don't even want to acknowledge that we need to change, that we need to repent. Many people even flaunt their sinfulness. I believe it was Tallulah Bankhead who once said, My heart is as pure as driven slush. I don't know about Miss Bankhead's personal life, but there are a lot of people out there who, who smirk at the idea of, of repentance. And every pastor knows that it, in, in counseling, very few, very few people express regret for their sins. They may be sorry they got caught, but not, people, not many people are willing to admit that they've done something wrong. And yet, as we look at the torment in our society today, the, the wreckage of home and family, the destruction wreaked by drugs and alcohol, and the scandals that have come from our highest echelons of business and government, we are led to believe that repentance is something that all of us stand in need of. I read recently about the death of an enormous tree in Colorado. It was such a large old tree that some experts believe that it was probably a a seedling when Columbus discovered America. It was only half grown when the pilgrims landed on, on Plymouth Rock. 
Close studies reveal that the tree was struck by lightning some 14 times. However, lightning did not destroy that tree. The cold Colorado winters did not destroy that tree. Age did not destroy that tree. Avalanches did not cause it to budge. Fire did not bring it to its final demise. No. According to the news report, this enormous tree was finally brought, brought down by a little beetle. A tiny little beetle. A little bug so small you could crush it between, between your fingers. And yet these little unobserved beetles brought down this giant of a tree. That may be a parable for our lives. As Solomon once noted, it is the little foxes that eat the vines. It's the little things that get in our way. The little things that eat away at, a, at us. The little sins that we may think we can look over. But they get bigger. The late Norman Vincent Peale was not known to be a judgmental pastor. He was known, of course, for his power of positive thinking. But I was interested to read about um, a conversation that he had with a, a prominent New York businessman. This businessman came to Dr. Peale's office and he laid out a tragic story of confusion and frustration and mis misplaced values. He, he painted a dark picture indeed. And when he finished describing his misspent life, he asked Dr. Peel, what do you think I should do? And Dr. Peel said, well, I have a solution for you. But it's a simple solution. And you are a sophisticated and intelligent man, so I doubt that you want to hear it. And the man persisted. I, I think I would like to hear it. And Dr. Peel said, no, I don't believe you want to hear it. It's too simple. And the man responded, please tell me. I want to hear this. And he was getting a little bit angry here. And so Dr. Peel said to the man, what I really think you need to do is to get down on your knees and tell God that you're a sinner and ask God to forgive you and to change you. Well, that's not what the man wanted to hear. But folks, that's exactly what a lot of us need to hear about our lives. There is a universal need for repentance. All of us. Maybe that's what you need this morning. The people who heard Simon Peter's sermon asked, what shall we do? And Peter responded, repent. It's always a good first step towards Christian faith. The second step is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have already been baptized, Peter might say that our greatest gift is to, or our greatest need rather, is to reaffirm our baptism every day. Uh, perhaps we've, we've had the water applied at some point in our lives. And, but folks, we continually need to be rebaptized within. We continually need to take that step of faith that says, I come with my sinfulness and my shame and I yield myself to Jesus Christ and I ask Him to cleanse me and to help me to be born anew in the faith every day. Understand that there's a practice in Poland called Wet Monday. You ever heard of this? 
It's, it's kind of new to me, too. I, I, I just heard about it recently. It's celebrated the day after Easter. And it seems that on Wet Monday, Polish young people will soak their friends and their unsuspecting parents with water. I, I don't want to give any of our young people any ideas coming for next, next Easter. But, but in Poland, it, it's not uncommon to see young people standing out in their yards the day after Easter with water hoses, squirting people as they walk by or, or walking down the street with buckets of water to douse people. Whoever's there. Now, Wet Monday has no religious significance that we know of. It's mainly a day to pull some pranks and have some fun. But some folks believe that it's a holdover from some ancient religious practice. And actually, I kind of find the symbolism appealing. A Wet Monday on the day after Easter a rebaptism following the celebration of the resurrection not a bad idea is it repent and be baptized of course the baptism that peter calls for is to be more than simply a superficial experience i think that one of the greatest tragedies for many of us who have been baptized and who are pretty good church people I think one of the tragedies is that many of us have only been partially baptized. And no, I'm not talking about sprinkling or pouring as opposed to dunking. What I'm talking about is that we've we've held back on Jesus. We've not truly allowed Jesus to rule over all of our lives and And that's why we need to continually be in need of this reaffirmation of faith. Robert Lobert wrote a, a little book years ago. Many of you may have, may have seen it. Um, it's a little booklet called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it describes an, an unbeliever as someone for whom Christ is on the outside of the house knocking and waiting to be let into their lives. And there are different rooms that are in, in the house. And, and, and it's a story of how Jesus goes into one room for after another but we have to let him into these different parts of our lives to influence those parts of our lives. It begins as an unbeliever. Jesus is knocking at the door of that unbeliever, waiting to be come in. But then he also tells about one kind of believer who has allowed Christ into his house, but has only offered him the chair in the hallway. That's where he sits. And so there the Lord sits, he's dressed in his overcoat, he's holding his hat in his hand, he's waiting, waiting minutes and then hours and days and sometimes even years to have access to the rest of the house while the host carries on business as usual and Christ is sitting in the hallway. You get the picture? You understand that? The baptism that we need is a Baptism of the whole person, of all of our attitudes, of all of our actions, of all of our our dreams and all of our desires. Because, folks, Christian faith is all in, to use a poker term. (laughs) Bet you didn't expect that coming from a preacher, did you? 
Christian faith is all in. It is more than just sitting in the hallway. It's more than an inside-the-hallway experience. It's all in. When Constantine was the the emperor of Rome, he was converted to Christianity. And and since he had taken that step to, to become a Christian, he wanted everybody else to become a Christian as well. And so he took all of his soldiers out to the river to have them baptized. But as they were being baptized, he required that they hold their right hands, their right arms, out of the water. Why? Because he wanted them to become Christians, but he didn't want them to become so Christian that they would quit killing people with their swords. Is that the kind of baptism that characterizes your life? You've been holding out on Jesus. Do you need to make a reaffirmation of your faith? You need to allow Christ access to more of your life, more of your house than just sitting in the hallway. Then repent of your sins. Reaffirm your faith. And then finally, Peter says to, to these new believers, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There was a young lady who worked in a, a huge factory, one of the largest factories of its kind. And, uh, but one day she confided to her pastor that she would have to quit. So the pastor asked, what's the matter? Doesn't the factory have enough orders to keep you, keep you busy? And she replied, oh, yeah, that's not it at all. They, they have more orders than they can fill, but they don't have enough electricity to keep the machines going. And she said, my machine lays idle so much of the time that I lose a lot of time and and pay. And the trouble is that they have more machinery than they have power. That can happen to us sometimes, can't it? More machinery than power. My friends, we need power if we're going to deal with our lives in such a way that we follow the path of God. We need power, power to make the changes in our lives that we need to make in order to be the people of God that God wants us to be. That takes power, and that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Tom Harris, the famous psychiatrist who wrote that huge bestseller from decades back, I'm okay, you're okay. You probably remember those that book. Um, he says that there are three reasons that, why people change. First, people change when it's more painful to remain as they are than it is to change. When it hurts worse just being way, the way you are, then you're going to change probably. Maybe you're in a job that, that you hate. It's painful to you, and you just can't imagine being in that job for the rest of your life. So you make a change. Why? Because it's more painful to stay there than it is to change. A second reason for change, according to Harris, is that is when we find ourselves at the point of, of despair. Perhaps we suddenly come to the realization that we're about to lose our marriage or our job or our health. And at that point, we, we may change. 
You've probably heard people say that I had to reach rock bottom before I could, could change my life. They had to reach the point of despair. But Harris says that there's a third motive for change. And he calls it the Eureka stage. And that is that, that some people change because they discover, much to their surprise, that there's something better that they've been missing out on. And of course, that's precisely the message of the gospel. There is a better, fuller life out there that's available to everybody who will accept it. And so those who heard Peter preach his great sermon, they knew that they had found something that would make their lives more joyous. They had found something that would make their lives more purposeful, more livable. They heard the gospel from Peter, and their response was Eureka, which literally in Greek means I found it. I found it. This is it. So what should we do, they asked. Repent, said Peter. Be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to take each of those steps in our Christian walk every day. They are key to a life that is full and rich and eternal. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn, 311. Let Jesus come into your heart. And that's, you know, I'm not Peter, you know. And I'm, I'm not expecting 3,000 people to come roaring down this aisle. It'd be pretty cool, but. But you know what? If somebody would like to come down this aisle, if somebody would like to say, I hear you, brother, and I need to repent, maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to change something in your life. Maybe you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If God's dealing with you in some way today, we invite you to come down as we sing together our closing hymn, 311. Let Jesus come into your heart.
as God sent Jesus to be the light of the world, so now the Spirit of Christ sends us out into the world around us. May God remind us that our lives should be in a constant state of growing in God's Spirit. May we remember our baptism and be renewed each day. And may we walk in God's Spirit who gives us comfort and strength and power to act and to speak in the name of our Lord. Amen.
again. Love it, God. Love.